Welcome to the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influtive, where we talk with customer-obsessed people to uncover how you can be more customer-focused. I'm your host, Dan Kalmar. Today, I'm joined by Carrie Melissa Jones, founder and chief strategist at the CMJ Group. Carrie is an author, entrepreneur, and strategist whose work is dedicated to community and belonging. Named by Salesforce as one of three community experts to follow, Jones has been building online communities since the early days of web forums and chat technology. Today, her work influences the world's leading brands and organizations, including Airbnb, Discord, Google, Microsoft, and two U.S. presidential campaigns. As the founder of the CMJ Group, she teaches and guides brands through the application of digital leadership, community building, and community strategy. Carrie's book, Building Brand Communities, How Organizations Succeed by Creating Belonging, co-written with best-selling author Charles Vogel, helps leaders understand and explore concepts of authentic community building. Our conversation today centered around AI. What a unique topic, I know. Is anyone talking about AI these days? But it's something we haven't touched on much on this show, and definitely not in the context of community building. Carrie shares the positive and negative impacts of AI and community building, how to not lose our humanity in the age of AI, and some AI tools that can help you scale your customer community efforts in the right way. Carrie, welcome to the All About the Customer podcast. So amazing to have you here. So happy to be here. Very excited for this conversation. Today we're talking about AI, which surprisingly is something we haven't really covered much on the show. I mean, I feel like you can't read a news article, you can't read, uh, you can't listen to a podcast without hearing about AI, but it's not something we've covered much on the show so far. So I'm excited to dive into this uh, with you. I, I first want to start off talking about what you feel like is getting lost in this age of AI when it comes to communities, when it comes to you know being customer centric. What, what, what do you feel like is getting lost these days? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I don't like to always start with a negative, but uh, so we can talk about the positives. There's plenty of those. But uh, in terms of what's getting lost, what I'm sensing on a daily basis is just a loss in the practice of empathy building. So AI is speeding so much of our work up. It used to be, you know, things would move at the at the speed of internet time. Now things are moving at the speed of like internet time exponential uh, and then basically what that's creating is a kind of our expectation for how long things take and uh, how hard it should be to understand other people. All that is, it's just collapsing. There's a huge collapse happening. And so I think we're losing a lot of our value for empathy creation, patience with other people, and these skills that are actually going to help us to get through whatever comes next in our world. So that is definitely what concerns me. Um, and from a customer perspective, you know, if we lose empathy for our customers or we're just relying on artificial intelligence to pull out insights for us and we're not really spending time listening to our customers in deep conversation, re-listening to like interview transcripts we're doing with them, things like this, we're going to lose so much of that nuance and we're going to be just skating on the surface of what's possible for the next however many years. So that's my concern. So I'd love for you to go deeper into that empathy angle, because empathy is a word that I think has come up a lot on this show in regards to how to be more customer centric, like be more empathetic is something that always comes up. Like, why do you feel like in serving our customers, we need to be empathetic? Like, why, why is it such a big deal to lose that empathy? I don't want to talk too lofty here, but let's think about the world at large and how the lack of empathy has created the world that we now live in, which is full of 
war, <laughs> tension, um, misunderstanding, miscommunication, cutting out families, these kinds of things. So that's happening at the macro level. But then we're looking at what's happening in our organizations and the same kinds of things are occurring. So there's a huge misunderstanding in terms of what our customers need. There's a misunderstanding in terms of what their problems really are. Because again, we're just skating on the surface of their challenges. So this is something as a community builder that I'm thinking about constantly because so much of our work is about understanding whole human beings. And if we don't understand who people are as whole human beings, we're not going to be able to create innovative solutions to, to their problems. So that's really how innovation comes about, is deeply, deeply understanding the whole context of someone's life. Um, and if you look at how you know great innovation has happened, if you look at the work of like IDEO and these other kinds of um, innovation agencies, that's the kind of work that they're doing. They're doing deep ethnographic work where they're sitting down and watching customers, they're watching users with products, and they're learning, again, from that whole perspective, not just how are they having a challenge on this one small thing, you know, how, how can we fix that? That's obviously important for troubleshooting and things like that. But the bigger innovative innovation picture, that's where my concern lies. And why do you feel like AI is inhibiting this? Is it just that we're trying to move so fast now? Or are we looking at customers more transactionally? I, I mean, that's been going on for years is looking at customers transactionally. And in fact, I think I think we were in the process of really transforming that relationship and making these relationships move from transactional to transformational. But there's a couple of things going on. One is that, like I mentioned, our expectations for speed are rising, while at the same time, over the last year especially, our jobs, in many cases, there's been reductions in workforces. So we're asked to do more with even fewer resources than before. And of course, we're going to turn to artificial intelligence and like large language models to help write emails, to, to come up with prompts uh, for our communities to edit our, our communications. Of course, we're going to do that because that is, it's free right now, most of it, and well, a lot of it, and it's accessible and easy to use. So that's what kind of thinking about what could get lost there and, and, and how we got here. I think it's creating these unrealistic expectations for how long things should and can take. Yeah. And, and productivity has this kind of self-fulfilling thing yes. where the, the more productive you are, the more tasks you get, and then the more productive you have to be. So it's, it's, yeah. it, we're, we're probably only at the tip of the iceberg of how bad this could get. Yeah. And I, you know, there's, I know plenty of marketers who keep, you know, chat GPT open all day. It's just, they have a second screen for chat GPT at this point. And, and that's fine. And it's, it's helping them do their work faster. But when that is 100% of what you're doing all day, that is really concerning, really, really concerning, again, for innovation and for customer experience in a big picture kind of way. So let's talk about community. I mean, you are a community person. You, you've, you've built communities in-house with your work now. You, you help companies build these customer communities. Why do you feel like community is, I, I don't know if we want to call it an antidote uh, to AI, but why do, why do you think communities are even more important now in the age of AI? The big realization that I think a lot of community builders have come to is that actually a lot of these large language models, the data that they're being fed is community data. It's coming from Reddit. It's coming from forums. Um, you can create you know, your own proprietary large language model based on, let's say you run a software company, you could take all that data from your customer community put it into the large language model, and then it's going to help answer customer questions for you. So 
how how is all that going to get created? It's going to get created through community building. So that information is not getting created out of nowhere. There's humans that had to create these models to begin with, had to fill the models with data. Communities are going to be more important than ever as as there's going to be more edge cases that, that come about, as, as there's going to be more um, nuanced questions that uh, need answering. All of that is going to be so, so important. You know, that's that's from a logistical angle of like, we need communities so that we can continue to fuel the AI. But that is important. It is important. I worry that the internet is actually just going to become this like giant loop, this feedback loop of just creating the same thing over and over again. And basically all the information is going to be useless. Um, if we don't have communities, that's what could happen, frankly. So so that's what what is really important. And also, we are going to be losing so much of the human to human interaction with AI. It's already happening. Our jobs are becoming less about jumping on the phone with somebody or getting on a Zoom call or whatever else it might be. And instead, even like inside of Slack or inside of our internal teams using AI to answer questions and things like that. So our jobs are becoming more solitary. And so having an antidote to that kind of solitary nature of our work through community is going to be really, really important. And I, I see it in all kinds of professions. All these professional associations these days are really rushing to either fix and optimize their communities that they have or create them genuinely for the first time. Carrie's right. Now more than ever, our customers need to connect with each other at events, through customer advisory boards, and customer communities. And when it's so simple to send automated messages or chat with chatbots, that human connection, even if it's online, is getting lost. Your customer programs obviously have the added value of getting you closer to your customers and tapping into their expertise to drive product decisions and messaging. But for customers, you're adding stickiness by giving them a place to feel genuine human connection. But Carrie said she didn't want to go all negative here. So I was curious, what gets her excited about AI? I will say one way that it is helping empathy is, this is something I actually do in my work quite a bit, especially when we're taking in feedback and messages that are hard to read that, you know, when you're reading let's just say I, I, you run a workshop or something and you get feedback forms from it. And looking at that feedback is extremely difficult because it feels like it's very personal to you or to what your team did. If you can bypass reading all that raw information and put it into some kind of uh, analysis tool, then you could actually get the themes and the things that you need to to take away from that without feeling personally victimized by, by what's in there. So I'm using this in a way that's like, I'm taking information that would otherwise be really hard for me to wrap my head around and putting it through the large language model and it's pulling out the main themes for me. And so I'm able to like sit with it and not feel again, personally victimized by it. And that is a huge problem. We all have work trauma. We all have um, all kinds of things that get brought up. And I think if we can kind of use it as a mediator, in a lot of ways, it can take out some of the sting of that. And it can also help craft messages that at least sound more empathetic to begin with. And we don't, we're not going to, you know, use that as the be all end all final um, message that we send in most cases. But if we have a, a communication that's really hard for us to write and we feel really stuck on it, I think that's where AI can be really helpful. And of course, you don't want to do what I, I can't remember which university it was, but uh, you don't want to put in say like write a <laughs> like an apology an apology letter in there and then just use what's what comes out. But I think it's fine to use it as a tool to get out of your own head 
And that is something I run a lot of uh, creative workshops with clients and teams have a really hard time getting out of the literal and into the creative, a really, really hard time with it. And I think AI can help us with that. It can help us stop second guessing everything that we're doing and stop trying to rationalize everything and just get out of our own way. Is it the only tool? No. But is it one that can help us? Yes. And is is there a framework that you use when trying to think about how to use AI to make sure that you're not losing that human touch? Like, do, do you think about like, hey, is this replacing a human interaction that I would have? Is, is this just supplementing or completely replacing me? Like, how, how do you think about how to use these tools in a way that help us, but don't lose that empathy and human touch? Mm. That's a good question. I don't know that I've ever thought about a framework that I use, but we do have values as an organization. One of them is, you know, equity and compassionate candor. And so if I'm ever using AI to outsource any of those things, compassion <laughs> or equity, I've got to really sit with that and wonder is to your point, you know, is this replacing an opportunity where I could be showing compassion um, or is it enhancing the compassion that I'm showing? That's kind of how I think I'm subconsciously thinking about it. Um, I never want to use it. Like you said, to do any deeply human work where like, you know, someone writes me an email, tells me that they're grieving over something. And that's why they haven't been able to respond to my email. I never want to go into, I use Grammarly. So I never want to highlight that and say, write a reply to this. And that's how I want to respond to that. No, we've got to really prioritize, again, those, those interactions that are all about empathy creation and relationship building. Yeah. So I think that's kind of roughly how I think about it, but I've, I've never really thought about that before. It's a really great, great question. This is such a great framework for thinking about how to use AI. Understanding your core values and seeing if AI is hindering those values. There's nothing wrong with using a tool like Grammarly, which I'm a big fan of, to help ensure you're coming across the way you want to. But if you're using Grammarly to replace a potentially very real human interaction with one of your customers, that's probably not a good idea. It's interesting. AI prompts you all the time. So Grammarly will prompt you if you use Google, it's now prompting you and suggesting, even as you're writing, it's suggesting words for you to put in. So it's actually changing the way that you're thinking. It drives me a little nuts. So at this point, I've kind of developed this habit now around, I will always at least draft the initial email. I'll look at what AI has to say about it. Like what would AI do? And honestly, like 30% of the time it's good. And 70%, it's like, this is total garbage. Um, and I'm sure that model is going to get better. I'm sure that it is, but I always look at it and see what it would say. And sometimes it points out things or says things that I'm like, Oh, I should, I should actually say that. And so I'll use that again as a starting point to get out of my own way. Um, I will say my inbox is a lot cleaner than it has ever been. Thanks to, to Grammarly and other tools like that, because I'm not overthinking everything that I'm doing. So that's been really helpful. So for those out there who are running customer communities, what are the way, the different ways that they can start integrating AI into their work to empower them, but again, not lose this human touch? Like what, what are different things that you're seeing folks out there do that is heading in the right direction? Yeah. I mean, there's a, a number of different task areas where AI can be helpful for customer communities. I think one of the most obvious ones is if not content creation, at least like content brainstorming and content prompting. So in a, in a customer community, for example, you could load in, like you could take, let's say a CSV of your most recent um, customer service questions. And you could say like, write community discussion posts about 
some of these questions. And it, you could say like write five of them. And it's fascinating what it will come up with. And then they might actually be good conversation topics. So I think if you have good information to put into the system, then it can put out interesting information back to you. Now, one of the things that I teach our clients is that there are seven different types of content and programs. If that was all you did, that would be very incomplete. So, you know, that, that is just one idea of something you could do. The other task area that AI can be extremely helpful with is moderation. And especially this goes back to what I was saying about feeling like personally victimized by what people are saying and doing. It can very much help with that. And you can, I've actually seen a number of community builders either create their own bots. And you can do this now with ChatGPT. If you have a paid account, you can create, input a bunch of text in and it can start to learn the voice and tone of that text. So you could actually create your own moderation bot. And I have one that I created through Poe. Um, it's called like the CMJ mod bot. <laughs> so I'll, if I'm just, again, if I'm overthinking responding to somebody in the online community, I'll put it in there and say like, write a thoughtful response to this. And it knows my voice and tone and it knows, you know, how I would typically respond to something. I never post that without editing it. I always look at it. And again, usually I'm taking about 30% of what it's spitting out and I'm using and, and changing the other 70%. Um, but yeah, I think those are two really crucial areas. And then of course, there's like the data and analysis piece. Our systems need to be integrated more and more. And that's been a big challenge, I think, for a lot of organizations that have kept community in a silo for a really long time. And now they're like, wait, we can't actually use all this data. It lives in this other system that's not communicating with our you know, customer service system or our um, CRM database. So <sighs> integrating um, and feeding those systems uh, is, is going to be really important in the future. And so one, one great thing that AI tends to do is like you mentioned, like gathering sentiment, like when you're, when you're talking like a lot of feedback responses, say in a community, you have a, a discussion thread that's just, you know, going gangbusters and there, there's a ton of responses that can help you kind of get sentiment there. But I think the more we try to use it to summarize sentiment, the more we are removing that human element and we're not, reading it and not actually getting people's empathy like do you how do you try to strike that balance between realizing we need to do stuff at scale but still getting that human touch a little bit like do you just try to like read as many as you can and use it use ai to summarize a little yeah. bit or how, how do you think about that balance you know qualitative researchers have been grasping <laughs> grappling with that question for many many years because so many qualitative research projects used to be small. Like you would talk to 10 folks, you would talk to 15, 20, and now you can talk to thousands of people and you can't read all that. You honestly can't take in that much information. It's not like our brains are not made to take in that much information, especially social information. So yeah, I mean, I think one thing that we do with our projects is we look at like, we try to take a very small representative sample and we do read and analyze that representative sample and how we determine that kind of depends on the size of the overall sample and the population that we're trying to study. But I think that is really, really important because to your point, that's another thing that we are at risk of losing in the age of AI is deep understanding, really, really deep understanding of our customers' needs, desires, goals, the progress they want to make. And you only get that through sitting with what they've told you and what they do uh, and understanding, again, that whole human being on a really deep level. So when we do qualitative interviews, I'm usually listening to them back 
two to three times. I'll do one conversation and listen to it three different times. And what I find is that phrases will stick out to me. And those phrases end up going into marketing copy. They end up going into, um, you know, our sales conversations. They end up going into the the copy that goes on the website um, and change how we interact with customers. But we can't get there until we've really spent time diving into that. You know, there's natural language processing has been something that's been used for for years um, and something that people have tried to use for research and, you know, with limited sometimes with really powerful results and sometimes, again, just skimming the surface of what's possible to understand. So yeah, lots to uncover there. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's really interesting because I think there's just trade-offs with either approach, right? I mean, if you're only talking to five or 10 customers, maybe they are representative, but it's still a small sample size, right? But the the advantage of it is that you you genuinely get that back and forth and you can dive deeper. You're not just getting a surface level question. You're able to interact with them and dive deeper and try to get the underlying thing. And the the flip side of it is if you're gathering thousands of survey responses, that's great. And you're getting a lot of data, but you can't go deeper. So maybe the answer really is you need both. I mean, maybe you start with these large survey samples so that you get a gist of what people are talking about. And then when you have these smaller group sessions, maybe that's your chance when you're like, Hey, that's actually something that we've seen come up a lot in this. Now that I have a person that I can talk to one-on-one, -on -one, maybe that's your chance to, to do it. So maybe it's not really a one or the other approach. Maybe it really is. You just need both is the short answer. Oh yeah. Always. I think, you know, depending on what your research goals are, if you're trying to, to uncover insights about customers, um, you know, you're going to have to tailor the research methodology. Uh, accordingly. Um, and so, yeah, I have, a, I have a background in social science and social science research. And so um, I'm a big fan of mixed methods. <laughs> the more the more methods in a lot of cases, the better. Sometimes you can overdo it. But um, uh, yeah, you've, you've got to tailor your approach to the goals of th that your team has in that moment. So specifically within this community lens, what gets you really excited about AI? Like, what do you, what do you feel like it's going to empower in customer communities and for community managers out there? Yeah, one of the coolest use cases um, out there is there's a, a software called Orbit, O-R-B-I-I-T. It's enabling customer, one-to-one -one customer connections at scale. So you can decide, you know, I want someone to connect with a, I want a new user of my software product to connect with a user who's been using it for 10 years or something. You can decide how you, which criteria you want to use, how you want to match people. Maybe you want to only match people who are working IT, only in marketing. So this is so exciting because it's been a huge challenge for communities to create not just these great community, larger experiences, but also to connect people more deeply one-on-one -on -one to each other because that's where the serendipity, the magic happens. And so what's so exciting about Orbit is that I've seen communities from really small ones to really, really you know, thousands of members be able to actually meet one-on-one -on -one with people they would otherwise never get to meet. And so that is going to just create all kinds of incredible outcomes that you really can't even predict until it happens. And they just put out a case study, and I think it was something like um, this one software company that, that is using it. Um, they connected customers to one another, and those who participate have nine times higher retention than their other customers um, and like 20% higher upsell than their other customers. So it works. <laughs> it works from a business standpoint, and it works because you're helping these customers 
more effectively use your software, troubleshoot, and make progress in their careers. A lot of them, you know, they're like, you know, I never would have met this person who works at Disney. And now I'm talking to this person at Disney and I work at Samsung and all these connections that are happening. And so I think uh, artificial intelligence can help kind of broker those connections, which in the past a human has always had to do. Um, and it seemed, it's like this special magic skill that some people in our lives have. We're like, how do you always know, you know, how to connect people? And, and you know, like, we'll be the, the friend who always connects people and they end up getting married or whatever. And now that is something that artificial intelligence can help us with. That doesn't take away the magic of that person and, and what they're able to do. Doesn't mean their job is less important, but it does mean there's more opportunity for those kinds of connections and conversations to happen. And uh, I think that's what we need in order to navigate a more complex world in which there could be a lot of resource scarcity because of a number of macro trends that are happening in the world. So that's a, that's really exciting to me. I could go on about this for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love that example because I think technology can be such an amazing thing, right? Like it, yeah. it really has improved our lives in so many ways. It gets people access to to information and healthcare and like a million other things that they wouldn't have, have otherwise had, but it also has a lot of drawbacks. So I, I love that example of this is a way where technology is bringing people closer together that they couldn't have otherwise done, but is still letting people be people. It's still enabling this, these human connections. It's just helping you do it on a scale in which you probably couldn't do it without technology. Yeah, you absolutely could not do it without technology. <laughs> I've never met a community manager who could do this at scale ever. Um, it's it's not possible. So yeah, it's it's really, really exciting. For the folks out there who are looking to get more into AI and, and into their customer communities, are there other tools that you recommend that they check out to, to kind of just dabble into this if they're maybe not super familiar with what's out there? Yeah, I mean, for communities specifically, you know, you've got your basic large language models like ChatGPT and all that stuff. I'm not blowing anyone's mind when I talk about that. Um, but I think Orbit is is one that's really cool. Grammarly, I've already mentioned, can help with, with your moderation. Poe, where you can actually very easily create your own chatbots within it. I think Poe is owned by Quora. There's another tool called AudioPen where you can talk into your phone and uh, or your device and it will take what you're saying and turn it into something that actually makes sense. <laughs> so if you are like out on, I do this a lot when I'm out on a walk, I'm like, here's this rambling thought that I have. I want to write a blog post about this, or I want to write a community post about this. I will speak into the audio pen app and then it will take that for me. And it takes out all the heart and soul of what I'm saying, which I can't stand, but it does get at like, what is the heart of the thing that I'm trying to say so that I can come back to it later. And that's been really interesting for, for a writer that's been really interesting because then I can like get again, get to the essence of what I'm trying to say faster. And that's again, going back to like our expectations are shifting as marketers. Our message has to be so clear and so concise in the future because people will not have patience for any kind of confusion around that. So if AI helps you to get more clear and concise, I think that's really important. I feel like I need to run a lot of my rants on this podcast through that and just clean it up and be like, what, do you, what, am, I, what am I actually trying to say here? I don't, I don't know. I started this sentence without knowing where it was going to go. <laughs> it can be really helpful. It's like, what what was I trying to say here? Yeah, as long as it's not like the whole podcast is generated by AI. I'm sure someone's doing that already, but. <laughs> Probably. Some of yeah. the ones I've listened to, I'm like, this, this, this isn't a person. <laughs> So, so those are those are great tools to, to to get started. What kind of warnings would you give to folks in community of you know how how do we leverage this? But but what do we need to be on the lookout for to make sure that we're not losing that empathy, we're not losing that humanity? If you find yourself trying to outsource 
understanding of who you serve. That is a huge red flag. You can use it to supplement your understanding of who you serve. So I, I just had a client who was asking me, you know, we've done interviews, our team, we have a team of 10. We've done interviews, each person with 10 people. Like we're talking about a lot of transcripts and a lot of qualitative data. Can I just drop that in Google Bard or can I just drop it in ChatGPT and have it tell me what people are saying? That's what we want to steer clear from. I do think you could put it in there and see what it comes up with. Might be interesting, but it's going to be deeply biased. It's going to miss nuance. You're not going to pick up on those, uh, like I mentioned earlier, like the phrases people are using over and over again, and you're, you're going to miss these larger patterns. So that's where you can use it as a tool to supplement your work, but do not outsource the deep understanding. Because that's something that human to human, at least for now, is not possible for a machine to do. Again, at least for now. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> By the time this years. episode comes out. Maybe, yeah, maybe, I don't know. It's scary. But um, so I, I think that's that's probably the big red flag. Is there anything around this topic that we haven't covered that you feel like would be good for listeners to know? You know, I, I think a lot about ethics and AI. And so especially from a, a for-profit lens, I think it's really important to be paying attention to conversations happening around ethics and AI. There's a book coming out called Unmasking AI. It might already be out by an incredible researcher in the AI field. And that's the kind of stuff we need to be paying attention to. Now, I'm not sure totally where I want to go with this, but but if we look at what happened with OpenAI here in, it was October, November, November 2023, um, with the ousting of Sam Altman and then bringing him back and then like dropping the whole board and all of these things. I think ethics got a really bad rap based on that interaction. And actually, I think it was a huge blow to people who have been fighting to slow this down. We need to be so thoughtful about what we're doing. And what that showed is that thoughtful people are kind of getting brushed aside in this and these kind of techno optimists are taking over. We never want to look at artificial intelligence or really anything in our work as completely black and white. It's not all good. It's not all bad. We've got to sit with that. And so I would say the one tool that is more important than anything else is looking at the values of your organization and running all of your decisions through the values of your organization. This is a community leadership principle that I teach um, is the importance of integrity. If you as a leader are saying one thing and doing another, or if you as an organization state values that are different than what you're actually doing and, and saying elsewhere, that's what's going to break trust with your customers. So if you can run your decisions about how to use artificial intelligence and all that comes with it through your values, then at least you can stand in integrity. And that's how we're going to need to lead in the future because we also have a crisis of distrust, mistrust um, going on, especially for for for-profit organizations right now. So there's a lot to unpack there, but I think we need to still, despite all of the bad rap that uh, ethics and AI is getting, we still need to pay attention to it. We still need to be really thoughtful and intentional. Yeah. And I, I love that framework of, of having these values and then just always checking back with those and seeing like the way that we're using these things, like is, are we outsourcing our core competencies? Are we outsourcing yeah. our core values to this? And if we are, that's probably a flag, a trigger for us to, to take a step back and maybe rein in what we're doing with AI. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the wrap up question I asked to everyone on this show, for the people listening at home, if there's one thing that they can do to get this, a step in the right direction to be more customer centric, what would it be? I always recommend going back to the people that you serve. 
So if you are feeling disconnected from them and if you're finding yourself going to AI to try to learn about them, my recommendation would be to get on the phone with at least one customer, one client, whoever um, is important to you and your success and just have a conversation and get to know them as a whole human being. And I know that that might be a little odd for a lot of, uh, especially marketers who've got like really important work to do, but any time spent talking to a customer and getting to know them is, it's the most valuable time you could possibly spend. I will say every time I have a conversation with somebody, I learn something new. And if if you're gonna set aside 45 minutes to do anything, 45 minutes to have one conversation with a customer would be probably the best 45 minutes of your entire week. And, and if that does feel odd to you, I think you need to kind of go back to your values and figure out why does that feel so odd? Why is it weird for us to, to try to get to know our customers better? Are we uh, manipulating them? Am I extracting from them? And do we need to get back into right relationship with who we serve? Talk to our customers. Don't let chat GBT do it. Yeah. I mean, for basic customer service questions, okay, like <laughs> go for it. Um, but not, again, not when it comes to that deeper understanding and empathy building. I love that. Well, Carrie, this has been terrific. I've been uh, inspired. I've been horrified about what might be coming. It's. I feel like we've run the full gamut, but I, I, I think this is, like you said uh, earlier, it, it's not a black and white thing. AI is not is not all good. It is not all bad. Uh, we, we need to try to find ways to, to use it and harness it uh, because it's it's here whether we like it or not, but at the same time, try to not lose our humanity with it. So thanks, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been great. AI isn't all good, and it isn't all bad. AI has already had incredible power to help improve various parts of our work. But at what cost? When we know we should be getting closer to our customers, is AI helping with that or hurting it? It has the potential to do both, so it really depends on how you use it. So for those running customer communities, Carrie's advice seems to be to use it to impact your work, but not at the expense of building genuine human relationships. Don't let AI strip away your humanity or make you lose your empathy. This has been the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influida. I've been your host, Dan Kalmar. Until next time, let's let AI work for us, not replace us.